0: Now, right to your hosts up Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing.
1: Hello and welcome everyone to Down the Garden Path, where each week we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice, while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your gardens and landscapes. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host, Matthew Dressing. Hello there,
0: Matt. Hello, Joanne, and good evening, everyone. And thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens which are sustainable and low maintenance. And we want to help you make it happen. That's right. And we want to continue our
1: month long discussion of popular flowering trees in the landscape. And uh, we're really excited. I think we've got some listeners who are really excited as well. Um, We are talking tonight about uh, we're looking at some of the most popular flowering species of dogwood. And I love, they're my favorite. I have one, I have two in the front of my house, uh, one outside my office window. So I love, and I use them in designs fairly frequently, I have to say. So uh, yeah, so we're excited to talk about it. If you'd like to join the conversation or you have a dogwood question, we'd love to hear from you. Please send your questions to instudio101 at gmail.com.
0: That is right. Um, and we do have a couple listener questions just from a few previous shows, uh, which I think we'll jump to right after the bat. But uh, I just wanted to say thank you um, to everybody who wrote in on our birthday weekend. Tonight hmm. is live. Last week, August 9th, was our shared birthday, and we did a pre-record. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you. As I know, Joanne is also yes. appreciative and is expressing- yes. gratitude for all of our wonderful listeners. Uh, for writing in, wishing us happy birthday and uh, tuning into the show. Thank you so much and thank you for so much for making it uh, such a wonderful day uh, mm-hmm. and allowing us to be away and enjoying our birthday despite our show. So thank That's you right and that. I think
1: I'm hoping I responded to everybody so if I missed you I apologize but I think um, as they came in that evening because uh, I was a little bit more around than <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> but yeah so no thank you very much everybody and thank you for listening into Tuning in as always,
0: Um, and joining us again here tonight. That's right, and thank you for responding to those questions. As I was out to birthday dinner, and although I saw them coming in, I could not reply. Yeah, Yeah. no, no, that was
1: fine. I told Gary I would, I would take care of it. So, (laughs) Um, so yeah, so dogwood, so definitely we could not talk about. I mean, I know our month of August has been about flowering small trees. And we could not have a a flowering tree episode, or you know, month long, you know, discussion without talking about flowering dogwood. So I'm really glad that we were able to um, dedicate a whole show to them. Um, Not a huge quantity, like not a huge variety, but I think they've got each has a specific place in the landscape. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting more about them.
0: That's right. Um, so I think what I'll do just before we jump into those questions, as we focus in on a specific shrub, I do a little bit of research into that name and who's who. Okay. Right. So the name dogwood, what is it? So the dogwood is going to be the common name and cornice. Uh, is the Latin genus. And then we're going to look at a few of the more common species you're going to be looking into or seeing at the garden centre. But cornus comes from that Latin word cornu, meaning horn, uh, which is believed to be referencing the strength of the wood, uh, as dogwoods have been cultivated since ancient times. But the name dogwood, a common name, is believed to be a colonial reference uh, to the fruit of the tree uh, and there was a reference and I forget the animal that it came from uh, but it was stated that it's edible it is edible but it's not fit for a dog uh, but it also was thought to be common name coming from the wood again uh, being used as skewers or what it seemed to be in the reference that they called dogs so I I don't there's your there's your history of of cornice Wow so trivia
1: buffs <laughs> Pay attention to the quiz about dogwoods. I don't know dogs skewers. Interesting. I was like, I was afraid you're going down that path of eating dogs, but I'm like, oh, oh my no! God. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> that that's a whole different show. I mean, just different. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think it's down the garden path either. No. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, so cornice is a but cornus
0: is a big genus, right? Right. There okay. are many different species uh, of dogwoods, and we're going to look tonight at the group, those four or five species that are more the large shrub slash flowering tree ones. But there are perennial ones like uh, Cornus canadensis or bunchberry, uh, that is that kind of tr- Sub shrub that dies back to the ground and comes back. Uh, and then of course, there's always like cornice alba and cerisica, those shrubby type, the red twig dogwoods, the yellow twigs, the gray dogwoods, right. all of that group, which are those common, like ivory halo dogwood, for example, right. that you so, can yeah. see out in the garden. We're yeah. going to go one step bigger than that. Uh, And we're going to look at some of those big varieties and species uh, that have those big, beautiful Mm -hmm. uh, two to four inch wide flowers, the little bracts that are coming around them uh, in early spring. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they,
1: we were having a a little chat beforehand that I was kind of in my mind thinking flowering dogwoods versus, you know, dogwood shrubs that don't necessarily flower. And you pointed out that those ones do like ivory halo and, and, and yellow, uh, buds yellow, but it's not really, you're not growing those shrubs for their flower. They're very inconspicuous. They're meant more for stems and foliage and winter interest. But when you get to the flowering dogwoods, um, one is conditions, so I kind of specify, um, you know, according to the the conditions of the space, and then you know you've got your the seasonality of them, which can't be, you know, and then definitely much showier flower, right?
0: Right, right, exactly. So should we start off before we dive into the many species? Um, I think we should start off. We had three listener questions um from previous episodes who were focusing in, focusing in on uh dogwood. you had one from bonnie um yeah I bonnie believe. just wrote in she was excited she was
1: asking if we were going to so it wasn't really a question she just wanted to know if we were going to talk about them tonight oh okay and um and i said yes and she said good because she was listening and i think cindy you found cindy's email um that i'd responded to as well that she'd asked last week about it uh, what, you know, uh, and I said that we were talking about them tonight. So hopefully they're both in the audience listening to us. And um, yeah, so that's
0: good. And then Evan, is it Evan? Right. And then we had Evan on August 2nd uh, right in and he had a question. Uh, Evan said, hi, I think the pink dogwood is one of the most beautiful flowering tree shrubs out there. Are they hard to take care of once planted What do you know about their care? Thank you. Um, So I think the the pink ones tend to be more of um, the Kusa variety um, where you get into the whites, the white pinks, the pink, uh, and then the red cultivars. Um, Overall, all their cares, um, most of them except for like cornice moss, uh, and uh oh, who's the other one we we're going to talk about now they've all gone blank Cornus
1: uh, alternifolia um sorry cornice florida <laughs> and yes. cornice alternifolia
0: that's right it's so Cusa yeah. and moss prefer um a bit more of a sunnier location um but the cornice alternifolia uh the pagoda dogwood and the um Cornus Florida, the flowering dogwood, as by its common name, uh, prefer more of that partial shade to full shade conditions, but will tolerate a full sun condition when the soil is correct. And as far as their conditions go, they all pretty much prefer a a little bit more of an acidic soil, well-drained soil, um, some with some good organic matter and rich, a little bit differing in those two uh, aspects between you know the different species, uh, but overall, if you have it in a sunnier spot, you want to make sure it's evenly moist and well mulched to keep those roots cool, uh, because these guys do tend to grow. Uh, I like to say kind of understory trees. They like some shelter around them. They tend to be founded in some of some uh, slightly wooded area or where you find things like meadows and uh, the forests kind of blending together, where they have some of that shade and some of that. That protection,
1: so yes, which is which is a mistake I make because I think they're so beautiful. So I don't plant them usually as an understory. Sometimes the pagoda dogwood for sure, the alternate Florida alternate bolia. Oh my gosh, it's a mouthful, eh? <laughs> it is. um. Cause you know, compared to Florida, like it's just too close, but anyway, so sometimes in a shaded yard with lots of mature trees around, or sometimes the neighbor has quite a few mature trees. Um, so then, uh, that will work in that situation. And for both my cases, you know, mine's kind of one is in the Northeast side of my house and one is in the, you know, kind of Southeast side of my house. And, um, You know, so one definitely gets more sun than the other and they both perform a little differently. But uh, yeah, and I I'm glad you're saying that about keeping because I do put a lot of leaf litter underneath uh, those trees. I have uh, both of those beds are lined by or edged by um, um, uh, Hicks or not Hicks use dense use. So I'm able in the winter to stuff, you know, to to really drop a lot of leaves back there and underneath them um, just to kind of decompose and kind of feed that soil.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. Awesome. Yeah. So hopefully Evan, that answers your question um, about their care. Uh, once they're planted, just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, um, you might need to add a little bit of more acidity to that soil. Um, if depending on what you've got there. Um, but other than that, as long as they're kind of that protected, they get that light and that nice moist uh, well-drained soil and that little bit of protection, uh, you're usually are pretty good. Um okay. uh, Go ahead. Uh, why don't we start off by talking, because uh, I
1: think the one that's a little bit, you know, which one doesn't belong kind of thing, not that it doesn't belong, but which one's a little different is the um, cornice alternifolia, which is also commonly known as pagoda dogwood. So when we talk a little bit about that one, um, yeah. in the sense that it's, it's growing conditions, they, it was more, um, like you said, understory, and it's more shade tolerant. Um, it is wide, though, so it's not a tiny little tree. I mean, mm-hmm. it is going to... It is going to get tall, but it also—and by tall, I don't mean like maple tree tall. But um, I, I don't know if you have the heights there. But um, it definitely is going to get wide, and it really has an, which I think is part of its appeal too, is it's got a nice, um, very vertical um, growth habit. Uh, flowers are much more um, in a cluster, I would say, in the spring. Yeah. And, uh, and definitely, uh, definitely pretty, but you know, not super showy, like it's not going to stop the car. Like I think cornus Cusa stops the car. <laughs> um, right. Don't you agree? Like it's, it's, you know, it's reliably flowering shrub and it flowers for a long time too. I think that is one of the things I like about them. They're not like a magnolia. They're not like a service berry that it's like quick and over with. They, they really do bloom for a few weeks.
0: Yeah, you got it. You got it. Um, Definitely. So, yeah, they're flowering late spring, May through early June. They've got a number of weeks. Their show, like um, Cusa and Florida... It's not those big, you know, those four big bracts that surround the flower, but it's those clusters of those fragrant white seams. But they're just so en masse that they kind of give you that show. But it's like you said, it's not like, a, oh, my God, what is that? It's, right. it's out there. It's nice. It's pretty. It's like, oh, that's a nice flowering Um, But it's not as, as unique. But like you were saying, too, about that habit, that beautiful architectural, mm-hmm. horizontal spreading habit is, is very interesting, Um, very unique i like it in the, the winter i said vertical but yes it's horizontal <laughs> yeah it's very
1: horizontal i'm like as i'm yeah. going this way i'm saying yeah. vertical you know it's one of those things so yes, yeah. yeah, so <laughs> delete oops go back and edit that sorry no too bad we don't have an editor Yeah, meant horizontal <laughs> habit for the pagoda dogwood yeah oops that, times like that, we don't. You wish we had an editor, Matt. I it <laughs> takes
0: away from the live charm of the show, and that's, that's why right. people I do this so. I think so too. I think
1: so too. <laughs> they because they tune in to hear if we make a mistake or we crack up. But yes. anyway, we do all the time. Um, but yeah, <laughs> and and I have to say that then those flowers in those little clusters, um what did you call them? A droop, or am I using the other ones? Then they slowly turn into um, little tiny berries. And so, you know, as the summer goes on, you've got these little berries, but it's so funny because nobody touches them. Like they're just there um, until like this week. <laughs> and so, and even within like the cluster, like they they look like blueberries, really. They're very blue, yeah. very purple. And now I go out my front door and like, I, you know, I'm like, Oh my gosh, where are all the, what are the birds doing? Like, there's so many of them. So, (laughs) and so they will only, they wait for it only to be ripe. Like I, I guess it has to be a certain size or a certain whatever, because they're very picky. They're not like cleaning like a mulberry bush where they're cleaning it out. Like they are sitting there and they are taking specific berries at specific um you know, size. Uh, So it's quite interesting to kind of see. And I've tried to, uh, there was even a baby Robin and I was like, Oh, but anytime I go near it with my phone, they, they do leave. So I haven't been able to kind of get Um, but the baby Robin did sit there for quite a while and, uh, I just didn't have my phone. So I just enjoyed it. And then this morning when I realized what was going on, I went back in and got my phone and kind of stood by the gate and like waited. But I think I, when I came out, I scared everybody away and they didn't come back. So, uh, anyway, so I I mean, for the bird lovers and the native, they, uh, we should mention that they are native. Did you have a little bit of history? They are native.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, they are native to Ontario. Um, so they are going, they're native to Ontario. Their native range is from, um, from New Brunswick all the way East to Minnesota and then they move South through Georgia and Alabama. So that's their native range. Um, they are native to, to Ontario. They're hardy to zone three to seven and then just to build on a couple of your other points, um alternifolia, the pagoda dogwood, being the odd guy out um also comes from its name, alternifolia, meaning alternately held leaves. The leaves are alternately held held. So instead of all of the other dogwoods where they're opposite, meaning the you know the leaves are coming out from the same point and they're opposite each other. One goes left and then you move up and it goes right. And then you move up and it goes left again. So they're single leaves, but they go back and forth side to side on the stem. But that's the only dogwood that does that. So that's another uh-huh. way it's kind of different. Okay. Uh, and then they are hardy from zone three through seven. Mm-hmm. And then as we were talking about just their height and width. Yeah, they can grow again, like you had stated earlier, depend they're all kind of dependent on the region in which they're grown. So they can be fairly large given the right conditions uh, so they have a range. So foley, the pagoda grows anywhere from 15 to 25 feet tall. But like you said, very horizontal in its growth. And it tends to grow up to about one to one and a half times its width. Um, so she's going to grow mm-hmm. up to 25, but she can grow anywhere from, you know, that 30, 35 going up again
1: uh, mm-hmm. in its width.
0: Overall as well, um, it does have a slow growth rate when it's younger and as she becomes more, they become more established. The more moderate or quicker their growth rate tends to speed up too, as well. Okay, okay. Yeah.
1: And I would say, I have to say fairly vigorous. So I have a funny story about my mm-hmm. pagoda dogwood, which I planted. You know, initially, like I said, my house faces east, so this is like the north side of that east side. And planted a small one. It did grow well, um, but I did plant it too close to the house. So as it grew, and the fact that it was very horizontal. <laughs> it banged against the window. <laughs> like So we were on windy days or any other day, like anything, you know, we'd constantly have this tap, 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 tap against the window. And so anyway, so it got to the point where like, okay, this is getting too big. So I did, I had to part with it. I had my arborist cut it down. Aww. I did not have the arborist take out the roots. Ooh. So it has grown back and it has grown back very nicely. And it has not grown back. Cl- that cl- so so far not that close to the house so we're not getting our tap 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 but I have to say like I feel like I got two trees for the price of one like that <laughs> initially I was like mortified like oh my gosh I can't believe it it suckered and blah 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 and I should have you know gotten them to take out the roots and stuff but then it's because I wasn't sure that it would come back to like true to form and it would be a nice tree but it really is so yeah, so so far so good. Um, I will I will post some pictures in our Facebook group of uh, of the uh, the uh, see. Both of them have. Well, we'll get to Cornus Cusa in a minute, but um, the the like the little purple berries. And if I do manage to catch a bird eating them, then I will. But I would have to say the cool thing too, is it's been quite a few varieties of birds. It isn't just one variety and not really noticing like any poop, purple poop issues or any messiness. Like they're just kind of eating the berry and like leaving. Don't you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm glad you say that because it tends to be not one of those ones that are like super messy wildlife and they just get picked up and there's no poop everywhere. And I just kind of think always back to relates the question to like a service berry where they they tend to fall a little bit, but the birds still do come, but you do get a little bit of that. People tend to complain a little bit of that mess with the service berry. yeah, Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think it is definitely a valuable plant. Um, In the landscape, I think it's great that it's native and it's, it's a tough hardy plant, you know, zone three is great.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I think it's definitely a way if you have, you know, uh, sometimes if you've got um, neighbors that have a lot of existing mature trees, and you don't have a tree or you have a spot where you still want some privacy and but yet there's a lot of tree roots, you know, as long as you can get, you know, get a proper hole in. um, I think I think the pagoda is a really a great option. Um, I really do. And, uh, yeah, so I think that's good. And I think it's one of those two that would adjust like, so sometimes something that loves the shade, like, I think it would tolerate the sun if it was mature, right. If the other tree got chopped down, you know, it's not going to kill the tree. I mean, I probably won't grow as
0: prolifically, but, um, yeah, just kind of like any of the other perennials and shrubs, you just kind of push them out of that comfort zone and they'll yeah. be there and they'll still flower and do their thing. But she's not going to be like her full booming self when everything is just yeah. right. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, for sure. So that's good. So
1: yeah, so that's my uh, my pagoda dog. And, and who doesn't like saying pagoda dogwood? Like,
0: you know, it's also got a cute name. <laughs> right. It does, though. It, it sounds so, for, to me, it sounds so regal and like i don't know just i don't know so mystical yeah. or something yeah so <laughs> so looking at the emails we do have a few questions as we move through um janice has written in uh yeah live on memorex <laughs> um our dog was actually a tree or a shrub thank you um you know what they uh, I, I don't know if we touched on this or not um but good question janice they do tend to be uh, a wide variety in, within those species, um, depending on who you're looking at, there are very definite, uh, like perennial dogwoods, like our bunchberry. Uh, there are some subshrub types that, like your um, butterfly bush uh, and things like that, they'll come out. And then they tend to take heavy damage or die back and then come back again. Or they're like the true shrub types, which we probably all tend to see, like your red twig or yellow twig dogwood or your gray dogwood, which are there during the winter all the time anyways. And then we do get into the ones that we're talking about, the dogwoods, that are that large shrub slash tree form. Um, of them, they can be multi-stemmed or you could train them or they'll just can become that, that natural single stem, uh, depending on the plant, because there is a lot of variety, especially if you, uh, start going by seed or it's volunteered into your garden. Um, so the ones we are talking about are a large, very large shrub or slash tree form, but there Mm. are quite a number of forms.
1: Yeah, definitely. There are like some smaller like you said some smaller shrubs like ivory, halo dogwood, you know, but the flowering so like the pagoda dogwood just because of its horizontal, you know, it is a tree, but because of the way the branching goes and how it wide it gets, it does start to look like a large shrub. And and uh Kusa
0: the same. Yes. Yeah. Um we do have Ray who's also asked a question. I've been growing a dogwood in a huge planter for one year. Can I now transplant it into the ground in a permanent location without it dying? If so, what is the best way to go about this? Thank you very much. And yeah, Ray, you can, you can definitely uh, do that again, just watch your proper planting, make sure it's going into the right conditions, digging the hole just as deep as that root ball is and a little wider to kind of stimulate that, um, that root growth, let those roots know there's new air and water. Uh, if the soil you're planting in isn't slightly acidic, you might add some of uh, sl- that acid or berry fertilizer, um, sorry, fertilizer, soil. Uh, again, that Fafard, is just certain brands will give you an acid soil that you can help plant in. And you can mix that in with your native soil to help lower uh, the acidity. And then, yeah, just kind of baby it on, kind of keep her nice and happy and evenly moist, but well-drained um and treat her like any other shrub you've transplanted right. or, yeah. or planted out yeah yeah september do you think now's a good time or september i w- i would wait till a little bit more into the september uh, yeah. just because the roots again they like it a little bit more well-drained moist and cooler roots so depending on ray where you are uh, yeah if your soil is very very warm uh, and if you're kind of moving it into a, more of a sunnier than a and again depending on the type of it is um sunnier versus shade if it's one of the bigger ones uh yeah she might not like that very well and she might be a little bit more stressed uh than she would have been had you waited a little longer so yeah i would wait till a little bit more till september for sure yeah very cool very cool. hopefully that answers your question ray thank you very much for writing in um cameron also had a question and i think it goes in we're going to talk about uh we can touch on our pruning Um, for our larger tree form dogwoods. Uh, But Cameron writes in, hello, Joanne and Matt. Happy belated birthday to the two of you. Thank you very much. Uh, Someone told me, uh, like a surgeon's scalpel, that you should sterilize your tools before using them. Is that true? And if so, sterilize with what? Thank you. Yes, um, especially if you know there is is a disease or something wrong with the plant you're pruning, most certainly. And not only in, um, in between, like, uh, you know, just taking it out and using it, but in between every single cut, especially if you know the plant has a disease. And you oh, can okay. just do that with, like, a 10 to 1 bleach and water solution. Uh, you could wipe it off with just something like a disinfectant, I, like a little Quarox wipe. Or something but yeah you want to clean and disinfect your blade uh, and wash it i like the 10 parts water to one part bleach or nine to one however you do it and every time you go to cut on a disease tree you want to make sure you disinfect it because if you have something that's in the bark a black knot comes to mind uh right away you're pruning something that's systemic in the tree and every time you cut you're reinfecting the new wound uh, which is usually further away from the disease part, hopefully in healthier wood, but now you're carrying it from cut to cut to cut. So yes, and then definitely in between different shrubs and things that might have, again, another another disease. If you're doing, Cameron, just like annuals or perennials, things that are just going to totally die away uh, and their foliage isn't going to be consequential, you could definitely uh, ignore that. But when you're pruning your dogwoods or anything shrubby, I definitely, I would sterilize, especially if disease in between. Each of the cuts. Mm-hmm.
1: Sure. Now, if that's not the case, though, and let's say it's you know you're you've gotten a new kind of new print tr- trimmer, new pruner, or you're at someone else's house, or you're yeah, like some, anybody who works in the industry that that are going to different yards and stuff, mm-hmm. it's good to do. um Would rubbing alcohol now also work? Yeah, that would work yeah. as well for sure. Yeah, because yeah. that's something easy to carry um, around in in a bag or whatever to, to do that. Um, if it's, if you're, if it's your own house and there's nothing, um, there's nothing, um, you know, diseased or whatever. So, you know, I don't want to intimidate people, uh, you know, about it, but, um, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I like
0: your friend's analogy too, just to, what would you do with us? Yeah. Sometimes it's good. We do. And sometimes we don't. That's but anyways, it. yes, Cameron, excellent question. Thank you so much for writing in. Um, we also have Shaw, who's written in. Hi, I'm not sure uh, I hear you right. Did you say that dogwoods or certain dogwoods are edible for humans? I am confused. Thank you. Um, yes, there are a number of them that are, are edible. Some of them that you really wouldn't want to eat or just they're kind of mealy or kind of gross tasting some of them however there are people who will react to the berries um and and just kind of get irritated or an upset stomach kind of have that light kind of toxicity uh, towards them uh, but yeah like things like your cornelian cherry or cornice moss are edible um I think the pagoda dogwoods are kind of that borderline, whether you really want to eat them or not. (laughs) They're not poisonous, though, are they? No, they're not poisonous so much in the way that they're just kind of gross tasting. But again... okay to each his own you might come yeah with
1: yeah of I'm, thing, I'm not but... one I'm not that adventurous that to go
0: out there and try it no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: know they lie but they kind of look good but yeah no
0: yeah. <laughs> but like the cornelian cherry the cornice moss they're used in more like syrups and preserves and other things like that and creating like jams or or again preserves something like that yeah. Yeah. okay okay all right so they are but and and again just like joanne had said the birds and the wildlife any they like go crazy for them yeah they are a world favorite of of wildlife for sure so if you're an avid wildlife person you definitely want a dogwood of some sort
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah so i know we're halfway through the show
0: wow holy crow already Wow. All right. I guess that's my cue. That's your cue. <laughs> and just
1: so you know, I, I haven't been able to chime in on emails because I for some reason I'm not getting them. So you're getting them, which oh. is fine. So you're reading them. But uh, I'm just I'm just want you to know I wasn't just making you do all the talking. So, oh, no. Um, so, yeah. So you can <laughs> but you can take it away. This is kind of our midway during the show. I know listeners tune in and tune out at all different times. So it's like our station identification. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I always think of New York Yankees baseball. And 10 seconds for station identification, Yeah, New York Yankee (laughs) Radio on. Uh, But anyways, yes, thank you for joining us here live on Reality Radio 101. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host, Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the guests that join us here on the show. Don't forget, you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Our handle there is at down the garden path podcast. You can also find us on your favorite podcast provider. And while you're there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like share and leave us a comment. We love knowing where you guys are from. uh, And we just love hearing from you in general. Don't That's forget, it. you can always write us here as a number of you, thanks again, did uh, last week on our pre record. Uh, our wonderful producer Gary for this, our mail. You can write us here at instudio101 at gmail.com, or you can find us via our websites. Uh, you can find Joanne and all her email and social media links at down the number two earth. Dot ca and you can find myself and my email and all my social media links at www.naturalaffinity.ca jumping back in uh we actually just speaking of writing us and uh hearing from where we are we have bill who is a new listener has just written in hello to all of you i'm a brand new listener to your show from newark new jersey I'm starting a garden club here next spring, and I'm interested in your show. What is your web presence? And I will mention to you, you to my potential club members, about 10 of them, which is a great start, Bill, uh, to listen to you and go to your web presence. So yes, thank you so much, Bill. I hope you caught that. You can find Joanne again at uh, wwwdownthenumber to earth.ca as well as me, uh, you can find me at www.naturalaffinity.ca. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in and for being a wonderful new listener and uh, sharing us with your new group. Uh, I try speak with Joanne who's a president of her local city group. Uh, Thank you so much. And uh, good luck on uh, creating your new group. We wish you much success with your new club.
1: Uh, so i we, we've got to talk about florida and Cusa. we do and, and i and i'm like oh, i thought i wasn't sure which one i have actually but i think it's florida so they really are similar in flower aren't they
0: they do they tend to both have that two to four inch wide um flower the true flowers is that little green ball in the middle um which is kind of like an umble or a very small seam with the, the flowers that are there yellowish to kind of yellowy green uh and then they're surrounded by very distinct bracts so much like your poinsettia the true flowers are those little bits in the middle and then the big white flower piece are the bracts they're white they're four individual pieces uh teardropped shape that are emanating in like a perfect kind of additional plus sign yeah uh, out from the center
1: Yeah. And they are cool. So I was saying that I have that outside my um, office window. So early spring, every like couple of weeks, I take a picture kind of out like from top down, like, you know, because it's lower than my window. So I'm like looking down on it. And you know how it went from like nothing on it to then some buds on it and to some green leaves on it. And just how you think it's covered in green leaves, but then very much that like there's all these little bracts that are on there. And these little green, you know, like you said, like a plus sign and then poof, one day you look out and all those green um, leaves, which you thought were leaves or kind of look like leaves, actually turn like just magic. They turn white. So it's yeah. di- very different flowering. It's not like it's a flower that has a bud and then it opens and it's blooming. Like if you think of like a lilac or many other thi- flowering things like roses or anything like that. So this this tree is really unique. And I think that adds for me to its appeal. And it also adds to the length of the bloom because it's really blooming before you even really know it's blooming.
0: That's right. Yes, that's right. For sure. Uh, and sorry, did you say you, you said you thought you had one that maybe it was the other? So yeah, maybe- I,
1: I know. I think I was thinking I had Cusa, but I think I have Florida. So um, okay. yeah, yeah. So, just by looking at this quick search, because it is a little bit more upright, I think kusa. Like, what do you want to talk about the difference between the two?
0: Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes, sorry. I put you on the spot. There muted there there
1: for a second. No, no, no. So, I mean, the flower is very
0: similar, right, between the two. Right. So we're going to have those again. um, Those bracts, the white bracts. Let's talk about kusa first. So Cusa okay. actually will bloom two to three weeks after Florida. So Florida will bloom first, followed by Cusa. Um, Florida or Cusas are held um, above the foliage, reaching two to four inches across white bracts, And they can last up to six weeks on the plant. And this is the group, like Evan was asking about, um, they're going to turn into maybe a pinkish uh, as they grow or, or as they age. So they'll come out and then they'll go that, that green. Uh, and then where we have, um, just looking through my notes here. Uh, then we'll look through, yeah. So then you have the Florida blooming uh, in early spring, a white brax again, growing three to four inches tall and wide. Uh, and then they'll last for about 10 to 14 days through April and May. And then this depends on the cultivar. And I'm sorry, uh, Evan, I think I misspoke. Uh, it was Florida who's going to have, depending on the cultivar, your brackets are going to be white. <coughs> white pink pink or uh pink red or 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 red so uh a little bit of the that okay no i'm now i have to read so now i've looked
1: at the fruit so i actually have kusa because the (gasps) that's the one distinct thing i'm realizing is that the fruit is distinct
0: yes yes so that kusa becomes um that little pinkish red or red in color it's like a little fruit right with the little segments and you like sort of saying almost like a raspberry and yeah it's a it hangs and looks like it's a cherry just
1: in the sense that how it hangs from a stem and is about cherry size but right. when you look up close it it's more like a raspberry in that it's all bumpy, it's all bumpy um, and you know and, and that one is one i'm tempted to, ta- to taste because it does look good um and right now the chipmunks have found it so now i have a chipmunk climbing up the tree um so yeah so that's kind of interesting um so yeah so i guess that is another way better way to identify because leaf wise and the flower they they st- actually did look quite similar um but uh the corn is floral florida it looks like there are like three little red berries that are tiny
0: oh, i know right. we'll come
1: back to that but talking about the kusa so uh so yeah and, the- and- and similar to the other guests who mentioned or our listener who mentioned, you know, is it a
0: tree or is it a shrub? It depends, right? Right. You've got it. Exactly. So that size, again, just going through some of that, that info, KUSA is that zone 5 to 8 hardy. Uh, the size totally depends on that geographical region, uh, but it can grow anywhere from 20 to 30 feet tall with about an equal spread. And again, slow growth rate. Uh, but can be a little bit more moderate and quick when younger. Same conditions that we talked about before, all these big, large shrubby tree forms, uh, like that moist, acidic, well-drained soil to thrive. Kusa is actually a lot more drought tolerant than um, Florida as well. Um, So if you have a little bit, you're worried about that drought or that um, if you've got that soil, you know, go for a Kusa dogwood instead. And it does prefer that sunnier location. And one more thing about the fruit. Yes. Uh, Cornus Cousa's dogwood uh, is edible. However, this is one of those ones that have kind of a weird mealy flavor to okay. it. So I don't know if you'll enjoy it, but maybe uh, yeah. you'll have to uh, try it and, and let us yeah.
1: know. Yeah, uh, I might have to try it just to see. Um, but it's good to know that it's edible. I kind of wondered if the chipmunks, like, because, you know, I feel like the birds will pretty much eat anything, but the, the chipmunk would be more more discerning <laughs> so when i saw that and i just noticed that today oh uh, yes that yes he, that he was that he was there doing that so uh so yeah um yeah yeah so, so that's good and so you said the floor sorry the cusa is more drought tolerant
0: right cusa is more cornus cusa is more drought tolerant than cornice florida um, so cornus cusa the cusa dogwood yes And uh, one of the ones, I guess we haven't talked about that yet, uh, native to Japan, China, and Korea, Mm -hmm. one of the ones that you're often going to see in your garden center is the Chinese flowering uh, dogwood. And so it's Cornus cusa, the variety Chinensis. um, And again, another very large shrub, very hardy white with those red berries to follow. And again, it's size ranging, but depending on uh, where you are in the world, she's Mm going to grow up to that Mm -hmm. 20 to 30 kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. And we
1: should mention and I can't believe we didn't mention it with Pagoda dogwood as well, but all of these varieties in addition to being, you know, very interesting forms, having the f- spring flower and the summer fruit, all also have beautiful fall color. Most certainly, yes. We have not dived into that as well. Yeah, yes. so we so we can uh, we can talk, we'll spend some more time if you want to deep dive on Florida, and then we can talk about the fall color if you want. But that's definitely something, you know, another amazing feature. I think.
0: Most certainly, most certainly. So, Cornus Florida. This is the group or the species that gets its name the true flowering dogwood by common name we call them all flowering dogwoods especially the coosa uh, because we love those big bracts but the of florida goes by name usually by flowering dogwood um, and then of course as we discovered with the wedgelia the florida meaning many flowers it's also a native to north america It's a native to Southern Ontario. And I point that out just because that's where Joanne and I are Mm -hmm. uh, in the Carolinian forest region. Um, So not further North into the boreal forest region, but in, in the Southern Ontario from Toronto area, West to Sarnia and then South through the tip and into the States of uh, from through if you're imagining Ontario, but anywhere from um, Maine through Southern Ontario to Southern Illinois, And then we're going to move, we're going to see in the southeast areas of Kansas and Oklahoma, and then we're going to go down to Florida and east across to Texas. There's a little bit of a break as we move uh, west through Texas. uh, And then it's going to continue again into uh, along the Gulf of Mexico, uh, Mm. through Mexico uh, to, uh, I'm going to say this totally wrong, but uh, to uh, Coahuila, Coahuila, South to Veracruz. So, this guy has a big range of zones 5 through 12B. Okay. Uh, so, she's a huge range. Okay. Uh, but they- not
1: farther north then. So, yeah. So, then she's kind of at us and then down. So, mm, anybody more right. than would probably, if you have Flower and Dogwood, then you probably have Kusa or a Pagoda.
0: That's right. Yeah. As you move through north through, like, I think it's Interstate 90, and I want to say through Wisconsin, and I might be wrong pardon me and my American fellow uh, gardeners. Uh, but if you're anywhere north there, yeah, you you do not have uh, the Florida or you have a super protected space and you might have a Florida in a microclimate, mm-hmm. but you like Joanne said, you're probably seeing someone else. Um, yeah, size varies again, depending on location, but again, it can get into 30 to 40 feet tall with a spread that's either equal to or greater Then the overall height, and we usually see these around, you know, Southern Virginia, North Carolina, and again, like the others, like its brothers and sisters in the species, uh, you know, slow, or um, in the genus, slow rate of growth when younger, but becoming more moderate in speed and quite vigorous as she gets established. Um, This one again, the Florida preferring that partial to full shade, again, especially in those spaces like um vera cruz or north through uh uh Qu- Quahuela, sorry pardon me uh but if it does get out into those areas where it's really hot and really dry the moisture in there she will fail uh in those those sunnier spots
1: okay
0: florida has nice leaves and um, just before we gr- go in you know talk about more about the, that fall color um the leaves can emerge bronze green to yellow green And then mature into a nice, handsome, dark green for the summer. And this is going to vary, again, through all the different cultivars and hybrids, which there are tons and tons of uh, that we can look at. And I think we're going to talk about a few of maybe our favorites as we uh, wrap up or we touch on all four of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah, three to six inches long, so a decent-sized leaf, uh, one and a half to three inches wide, nice dark green, oval or ovately shaped uh, just a nice smooth margin. So kind of a classic leaf. A lot of the dogwoods also have that nice venation that you can see uh, in, in their leaves, some more so than others, uh, which also helps tell them all apart or tell you that that's that nice dogwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, fall color. So that's definitely one of the biggest parts of um, the la- their landscape uh, appeal, right, is that fall color. So you're going to get reds to the reddish purple to purple especially florida is very reliable and long lasting uh, fall color uh, in through into the fall but probably the one and it's it's true about all the other ones uh, as well except for the cornice moss it will get a flower a fall color which is kind of purplish red uh, but it can sometimes delay itself for giving it its fall color. So it'll hold on to its leaves a little longer, and sometimes it'll just fall in late fall, just green. Uh, so your Ultranifolia, uh, your Kusa, and your Florida are going to give you that nice, brilliant uh, reds and purples and fall colors. Uh, mm-hmm. that are really, really nice.
1: Excellent. And there are several uh, different, um, would we call them varieties that, you know, it might be in your zone. So, I mean, those are like the common ones. Yeah. Um, I'm looking up one here, Cornus Cusa heartthrob that has a very, very dusty pink, kind of almost like a pink waterfall uh, watercolor look, a look to it. I know um, we talked earlier about um, the pink dogwood Um, There's golden showers, you know, so, so I think you can, you know, it's certainly something you could collect, you could have a variety of different ones. Um, But I have to say that the, um, here's another one introducing scarlet fire dogwood. So I think they're definitely uh, playing, quote unquote, playing around with them. Um, But I have to say, you know, I don't know that, that you like it sometimes, you know, your the varieties are like an improvement over the mother. And I don't know, like these are just so such great trees and shrubs. Yeah. And and they're nice, like they're not going to be like the 40 foot trees that maple trees and those linden trees or anything like that for your yard. So for people in smaller spaces, I think if you just go, t- you know, throw me over to the design aspect of it for your typical front yard, for your typical backyard, like I said, a shady corner or the shady side of your house. Um, you know, sometimes if your backyard is facing North and you know, you want to have look out the window and a lot of times people will want to see something like a magnolia or something when they look out the window, these are much uh, more prolific, uh, bloomer and much more longer a season of interest in the sense that, uh, blooms, um, uh, Blooms fruit, <laughs> blooms fruit and then fall color and shape and form and stuff so uh so yes so um so yeah that's that's just my two cents uh so you can look for some of the other varieties um they are going to alter in zone and in size some of them are a little smaller um but uh but uh definitely you know start with uh, the those varieties Oh, certainly. And you said we've got some questions. I don't know that we're going to get to everybody, but you give it a shot. And I apologize that I don't have the, I don't see the, they're not in my email, so I can't read them
0: to you. So I feel like you're letting me do all the talking, but go. No worries. Uh, Yes. Thank you, everybody. And uh, so we've got Carol, who's written in, uh, hi, happy belated birthday to the two of you. Can I trim a dogwood a certain way to get much more growth out of it? Cheers. Um, Carol, your dogwoods, they really don't need too much pruning um, overall as far as the care, but you can do some shaping pruning, limbing it up to get that nice distinguished trunk, especially as she's younger, you can do that. Uh, and then if you needed to kind of set up that scaffolding branching uh, just to kind of get her to grow a certain way or help shape her or, you know, avoid an issue where she's trying to push through your window like Joanne's was. Uh, definitely you can do that and then the time to do that it's best when they are dormant and they are going to be in late winter early uh spring before they wake up before they flower and leaf out depending Mm -hmm. on March
1: March is safe like you know as much as we say
0: stay out of the garden in
1: March um, and don't walk around in it if you need to do some of that type of pruning um March is the time
0: Definitely. And overall, the dogwoods, these big flowering ones we're talking about, don't really need anything. If you've got a disease or a broken branch, or again, you are just going to limit up and shape it a little bit, that's overall the pruning. That's all you need to do. And that's when to do mm-hmm. it is late winter and then into early spring. But again, she needs to be nice and asleep. Mm hmm. Yeah. I would say, though, if it is a mature tree and you need to
1: shape it a little bit or thin it out a little bit, um, it is worth calling an arborist and and a professional Definitely. and have and have them. You know, I had, you know, my I'm had mine for 16 years or so, probably 14 years. We've been in the house 16 to so 14 years. And a couple of years ago, you know, the arborist said, I think we need to kind of thin him out and just, uh, you know, shape it a little bit. So. It's certainly not something you have to do often uh you know but uh definitely to prevent it um and make sure it's growing uh optimally so
0: so yes yeah. there are lots of professionals who are excited to help you uh and help you do it right and keep care of your plants excellent point hans has also written in hello uh, if i were to grow more than one dogwood next to each other can you please give me some advice regarding spacing uh are you i'm going to assume hans you're saying you know nice big big ones um but usually i would say unless you're trying to grow them all together or go for a certain look you could definitely plant them closer to kind of get some small trees and a small uh you know canopy in that that partial shade growing uh outside of that i always like to say you know half whatever its width is uh usually you want that half Um, and then, so for example, if it's going to grow 20 feet, you're going to, it's going to grow 10 feet from its core, uh, and then give it a little bit of space and then plant, uh, you know, the center of the plant adjacent half of its mature width away from it. So they're not really growing or smushing together. If you're doing a hedge or you're creating a certain look, and that's definitely something that we will do as designers that you can always play with that, but that's kind of the general rule. Uh, I don't know if you have a certain technique or something that you have in mind. Uh, but that's usually the general rule. Did you have anything? No, I just think
1: he, I think it really depends on the variety, right? So I think paying attention to what the mature size is and yeah. uh, and leaving some and leaving some space because you also don't want to like they each are their own beautiful story. So I don't think you want to smush them too close together.
0: So no the i love using them as like probably you have just that beautiful unique specimen yeah uh, you know one or two of them depending on the size of the yard and really letting them you know show their own because they've got so much to offer john quickly writes in hi good show tonight uh i have to run in a few minutes to go to work but what is the topic for next week uh very quickly if you're still here john uh, it is large flowering trees, so we're going to look at some of the other very large flowering landscape trees, such as ornamental cherries, uh, which is super popular every spring. So we're going to dive into that group next week, and thank you, John. Dawn uh Hi, do you guys get any plants for your birthday? Did you get any plants for your birthday? <laughs>
1: Only the ones I buy myself, but I did get a shovel. I got, I asked for one of those Lee Valley ergonomic cash, like little shovels that I could carry with me. Like that could be in the car always. Cause I never have, although I needed it today and I didn't have it with me, but uh, yeah. So I did get a shovel. So Lee Valley, shout out to Lee Valley. Um, (laughs) um, You know, my boys always say like, what do you want for your birthday or what you want for Christmas? And I'm like, two words, Lee Valley. (laughs) Like there's always something, so (laughs) give me a yes. big fat gift card. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yes.
0: And Dawn, I bought myself a beautiful glass cloche with a nice um, uh, Venus fly trap. I have yet to fill with oh. uh, moss and, and fun stuff to make a little terrarium with. Very yeah. good. Yes. That's what yeah. I got. <laughs> yeah. Um. Last question, as we reach the last five minutes, Erica just says, hi, do dogwoods need a lot of water to survive? I live in a very dry part of the U.S., Arizona, and I was just wondering if you'd need to water, uh, if I would need to water, maintain a good uh, dogwood if I planted one. Thanks so much. And yes, definitely, Erica. Uh, You remember, you know, partial shade, uh, depending on which ones you get, that full sun but they want that nice slightly acidic to acidic evenly moist well-drained soil good mulch to keep that soil and that root zone nice and cool and moist Mm -hmm. is key there for sure
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and definitely check with um your garden center yeah that i'm sure whatever they are selling uh, for the most part, should be hardier, you know, a little bit more adaptable to that end of the. I know it's always a range, but um, I think you know we've got a lot that are you know more um, hardy to uh, like the lower number, and and I think you need one that's a little hardier to the the higher number, right? And in yeah. uh, I'm just did a quick search here, and it looks like Arizona's a nine. So, zone so like nine. Cusa
0: is like five to twelve B. So yeah, okay. right, and you can find it natively in Mexico. So. Yes so that would be yeah good. and excellent point always check in with your local garden centers and if you're looking for a certain plant ask um there are a lot of those local experts and like our garden center we bring in ones that we know that are going to live or are in that range that are going to do the best here we always mm-hmm. bring in some outside ones like everybody does just out of straight popularity or you know they're kind of on the edge of their range but your garden centers will do their best to bring things that are in that are either going to sell and survive for you uh, or that are just really awesome. So definitely take a look at your local uh, garden centers. Mm-hmm. There's a few cultivars of, you know, like uh, Venus kuza dogwood that we always carry uh,
1: mm-hmm. that we
0: haven't talked about, right. With their mm-hmm. summer flowering, uh, you know, strawberry fruit, all that kind of stuff. So Which is choose. the
1: one um, uh, with the variegated foliage.
0: Um, you know what? I'm totally drawing a blank on which yes, one we bring I know, in, so there Milky is Milky Way jumps to mind. Milky Way jumps to mind. Um, some, we
1: talked about Golden Shadows. I think was a, yep. more of a, a variegated green and yellow leaf. Right. Um, so yeah, so they're so I think they're definitely, you know, if you're looking for like a rare or an interesting, you know, maybe you're like us and you are like me and you already have one of the acoustics and one of the flowering dogwoods and you want to look for something different. Um, some of those are definitely um you sometimes see them on garden tours or whatever. They're they're smaller and they're a little bit more uh rare. Um, so that that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. So um, so it is a great family. Again, it's got a huge, uh, I think season of interest, three to four seasons for sure. Um, pagoda, I'd say because of its neat habit in the winter, it looks, it looks amazing covered in snow, yeah. um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so I think that's, we're excited to have talked about it. The fact that they're native and they got naturally feeding the birds, um, which is, you know, a great, uh, a great feature as well as blooming early, uh, especially the pagoda, uh, does bloom early. So that's food for the birds or bees, um, you know, pollen for the bees early in the season, as well um flowering dogwood and cusa do bloom a little bit
0: later um but yeah one that blooms the earliest which we didn't really dive too deeply into but is the cornice moss oh. um, and it'll give cover itself in yellow umbels that are about just under an inch wide um, but they will actually appear so early in spring that they bloom before forsythia which is often really? one of those early, early yellow flowering ones for us. Okay. Uh, yeah, and they have that bright red, cherry red fruit that's edible as well. So, and what zone are they? Do you have that handy? Yeah, they're going to be zone four to seven. They're okay. native to. It's not a native here. It's native to central and southern Europe and western okay. Asia. But again, cultivated forever. Uh, twenty to twenty-five feet tall and fifteen to twenty feet wide, and is is a nice moderate growth just from start to finish. Uh, And then again, like the prefers that full sun to partial shade, as long as those conditions are there again. Yeah. And this is the one with the worst fall flower, but I hear Mm -hmm. our hook coming.
1: Our hook is there. Thank you everybody so much for tuning in and for all your questions about uh, pagoda or uh, pagoda, about dogwoods, flowering dogwoods. And we're excited to talk about even more large flowering trees next week. Aren't we Matt?
0: That's right. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, And uh, we look forward to chatting with you next week. So thanks for joining us here, Down the Garden Path, live on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your host, Joanne Shaw. And Matthew Dressing, right here on Reality Radio 101.